What's up, bikers? Episode 141. Today, we have Chris from Mike's Bikes on. I'm super excited to have this conversation. But before that, let's get the uh, the particulars out of the way. First of all, man, it's, it's Thanksgiving week. I'm super stoked about that. Um, hope you guys are as well. I have definitely been getting the email box, the inbox full of emails from all the places I've ever bought anything. And they're all sending their, their, their Black Friday deals. So the one that I really wanted to point out was Lab Auster. I have them, their link in the show more. They make a hip pack that I really, really, really like. So if you've ever been considering getting a hip pack, they have one. It just, it carries two water bottles, which is pretty rad. Uh, I like that. Um, got a little small compartment on it. And they have 50% off right now. So I think the code is Black Friday 50. If um, you check the show more or the show notes on the podcast, it's li listed in there. So go ahead and click that link over there and check it out. Outside of that, those of you guys on Patreon, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Last week, I mentioned a guy that um, did a, a podcast review for me, and I, I was making fun of him not giving me an opportunity to see his Strava time on Brewers. And sure enough, he hit me up on Facebook, and, and he's got me by nine seconds. So we're going to have to see what I can do about that when I get down to Sedona. Um, for those of you guys that don't know what I'm talking about, what you need to do is go over to Apple Podcasts and write a five-star review. And while you're over there, you can read a couple of the other ones. And one of the guys, the last guys that made one said that uh, the show was really relatable. And especially since he's faster than me on Brewers in Sedona. So there you have it. Anyways, do me a favor, write a five-star review. If you're thinking like three or four stars, it's probably not worth your time. Go, go find something else better to do. If you're watching this on YouTube, give me the thumbs up. That's awesome. Subscribe if you want to see more. If you notice, my voice is like a little shot right now. It hasn't been like an awesome party last night that I could tell you about or like the Cowboys winning on Sunday. None of that stuff. It's been me laid up with the cold for the last like four days. So it is what it is, but here we are today live and i um, super stoked. Oh, and another one of those emails that I got is actually from today's guest, Mike's Bikes. They have a Black Friday sale on their website right now. So those of you that are listening or watching from somewhere outside of California and you're not able to walk into the shop, swing by their website and take a look. There is um, some pretty good deals on there. I saw a couple hundred dollars off of a reserve wheel set. I saw like if you were buying an X01 cassette, uh, it was like a couple hundred bucks off of that. It's like 20%. Same thing with the GX. There was a GX cassette on there. It was like 175 bucks, something like that. So some pretty good deals. If you hit the link I got in show more as well, you can go over there, check it out. And um, if you're, like I said, if you're listening from afar, you can still save some money with uh, today's guests after you get to hear all about what makes them stand out. So let's go ahead and bring Chris back on. How's it going, Chris? Hey, man. Going good, on. good to good to e meet you here. Here we are, finally got got on the show. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice to be here. I, I appreciate the opportunity to to have a conversation. And uh, for anybody else that ever gets the chance to come on here, uh, it is a daunting thing to have to fill two hours uh, with you to chat. So oh, see how it goes. Believe me, let me tell you this: I have had this conversation with at this point probably over a hundred different people, and. Um, Everybody's always concerned about, wow, wow, I don't know what we're going to talk about for two hours. And usually when we're done, they're like, wow, that went by way faster than I expected. I, there was a guest totally that told that. me, yeah, there was a guest that told me he could not speak for more than 30 minutes. It was impossible. 
And then after we got off in two hours, he was like, that just blew my mind. So it's easy yeah. to talk about things you enjoy. It, you know, it's common. I mean, we at Mike's Bikes, we've been really working, I think, hard on, on trying to figure out how we you know, better connect with people. And, and YouTube is one of those things. It's always uh -huh. funny. Anytime we bring anybody into the studio and we have a conversation with them, it's just like, okay, could you, could you, could you condense that? Right. Like, yeah. you end up with 45 minutes of footage for a video that we're trying to turn into four minutes. And, and you right. know, yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely the struggle, right? The struggle is real what, between what you film and what you actually get to use. So yeah. can you um, maybe start out? Just let me know what you do over there for what's your, what's your position? Yeah. Uh, so um, again, my, my name is Chris Reichert. Uh, I am the creative director for Mike's Bikes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of strange. It's a new position for us. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I, I, I don't know, somebody else raised their hand if, if you've ever heard of a creative director at a bike shop. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, I think it's interesting for us because of, of what our aspirations for the store actually are. Mm -hmm. uh, my background, I came from Specialized. I started back at Specialized in 2009 and spent about 10 years with those guys in a number of different branding roles. Um, you know, so hopefully if, if anybody ends up tuning in to see me, uh, there are friends out there throughout the industry. Uh, right on. But yeah, you know, I, I spent a bunch of time there and I've done a few other projects throughout. And, uh, you know, a lot of my work is really centered around how do you build a connection to customers? How do you create... Um, you know, authenticity within a brand, uh, rather than just, you know, placing ads, which yeah. I'm glad to hear that you got our ads because we do that too. So, yeah, 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 no, no, it's definitely, um, I think though there's, there's a lot of things that bike shops need to do nowadays that they didn't need to do 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Like when I was hucking newspapers to, to pay for the, the mongoose that I had on layaway at the local bike shop, like all they needed to do is put that bike on the floor and somebody was going to come by and buy it, you know? And nowadays, I mean, you definitely have, there, there's a lot of different aspects and there's some shops that are, you know, pr primarily an online presence. Some of them that are, you know, brick and mortar as a secondary thing. And then there's like, you know, that, that constant like internet battle of, you know, do you get the best price or do you get the customer service in person or like, what is it that you pay for in a bike shop? You know what I mean? Well, I think, you know, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head and like, this is, you know, that's certainly like all of that is kind of one of the big reasons that I, I was so excited to come on and, and have a conversation with you. Admittedly, uh, if I'm going to be thrown off with pitchforks and fire, uh, I am totally not a mountain biker. You put me on a mountain bike and, uh, I will end up on the dirt and back at the bar quicker than anybody else. So, uh, <laughs> If, if that is a caveat for me being here, uh, then we can jump right to the other topics. But uh, yeah, you know, retail's funny, right? Like I think it, it's one of like we're lucky to be in a sport that is lifestyle based, right? Like nobody's yeah. forcing us to do this. You know, like you 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 are building a channel so that you can talk about bikes and and trying to you know encourage others to do the same. And I think it is one of the sports where authenticity is so critical to you engaging with a brand. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and that's at any level. If, if there is a bunch of bullshit that comes in and you feel like a brand is simply trying to sell you, or if we are in the race to the bottom uh, for price, you know, there's really no reason to continue to be with a bike shop. At the end of the day, you know, a lot of the bike shops out there, they sell the same brands and it's which one do you connect with the most? And right. 
for us, for Mike's Bikes, you know, we are obviously we're a, a very large presence uh, within the Northern California, the Bay Area, as we call it. And, uh, you know, we've got stores kind of all throughout and it gives us a lot of customers. But, you know, from 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 that, we also are trying to expand. We're trying to grow. And to keep that authenticity as we expand our stores is, is a really difficult thing. Uh, I think, you know, everybody has probably uh, accidentally wandered into a performance bike before they, you know, went under. And like, that is where authenticity went to die, right? Like, it's such a, a, a concern that as you start to expand and, and be more successful, that you lose a lot of what made you that local bike shop that really connected with its customers very well. Yeah, it's funny. I remember performance whenever I would get their magazines back in the 90s, you know, and um, later, whenever you would go into that shop, it basically felt like you took a magazine and turned it into a store. Yeah. You know, it definitely didn't have that, um, that feeling of at least what I enjoy out of a local bike shop. Yeah. So I, I uh, like that, that, like that era, like, you know, I started riding in the late nineties and, uh, you know, like one of my favorite things I've even, I talked about this in one of the YouTube videos that we, we posted as well. Um, I loved the Colorado cyclist catalog and, and, yeah. and Nash bar and all those things, you know, where you just get to thumb through and, you know, teenage me or you, you know, we could look yeah. at those and just be so stoked on like, Oh, one day I'll have that thing. And it's yeah. like, you know, like, like I started with, you know, we are, we are so lucky to be in an industry that is our choice, you know, yeah, yeah. aren't being forced to do this. And, and, and at the end of the day, like, if you do not make that connection, if you do not offer, you know, the customers that are supposed to come to our shop, something that is, you know, at a core level, uh, they'll go buy the lowest price. They'll go to wiggle, you know, like yeah. luck. They'll, they'll look for the deals there. They'll go to eBay, you know, they'll, they'll do whatever. And so it's like, yeah. We, we need to, I think we need to be better than that. And that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do. And again, back, I'll tie it all the way back in. That's why I'm here. Like that's, that's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm generally what I was saying or what I was trying to get to earlier was that because of the way that things have changed over time, that um, the bike shops that really stand out, they, they have to go above and beyond of just being like what a air quote, you know, bike shop should be as far as just selling bikes and parts right and so the ones that you see really stand out or whether they're it's a social media presence of some sort or whether they build some kind of like really good vibe with you know local rides and stuff like that or they're you know oh, i'm gonna screw this word up philanthropic philanthropic that stuff <laughs> donating money and 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 their time to like good causes and uh outside of that or it's like um maybe they have like a, a good vibe to the shop where it's like you know they got beers in there and, and a restaurant or something and and um but at the core of it all you still have to be a good shop right, right. it's not like you can be a crappy shop and and have those other things and people will still show up so yeah. it's really it's kind of interesting you know now that i'm saying that out loud it's like it's there's a lot of that across the the whole bike industry now i mean like even if you look at pro riders now i mean they they used to just have to win races you know and it's like now it's like no you have to have a really good social media presence and you have to like be able to be an ambassador for the brand as well as like just go shred you know <laughs> like stand on podiums yeah i mean that's you know you're you're right on you know like that it's so funny to have been kind of you know part of the industry during that 
change, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there, there was a point where you could be, you know, an athlete based on your results. And, and I think, you know, that, that, that necessity of marketability is, is so important for an athlete. Um, you know, one, one of my roles back when I was at Specialized, I, I managed PR uh, specific to the road brand. And I spent a lot of time uh, throughout Europe and, and with the pro teams that, that we at Specialized uh, supported. And it was so funny, you know, just hearing a lot of these cyclists that are, you know, they're Euro pros, they're in a Euro sport, they're racing on the road, and it's the biggest thing that, that's over there. Uh, coming to grips with this, this concept that like, Instagram exists, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not even that they have to like have one or it's a marketing tool, et cetera. But like there were people that got it early and there were people that didn't ever get it. And like, you see that now where you've got athletes that, you know, do not have the marketability. They are, you know, they're kind of like, they're missing part of the pie. They, they yeah. do not, maybe they have some okay results. You know, if, you know, in, in the case of most people, they probably aren't the superstar. And so how do you round out your package to make your contract more valuable? You know, you yeah. see, see that in mountain bikes and in road bikes, wherever it is, um, you know, of course, you've got the guys, the Ninos that are winning every single race. But like, how do you stand out if you're the rest of the guys? And like, yeah, so much of that comes back to your ability to to align with things that the brands themselves actually care about. Yeah, I think the brands are starting to catch on. I, I, I think that, you know, being a YouTuber, I'm starting to see different brands be a little bit more open to that. Or like, even if you're watching like, uh, like pink bike Academy right now, sure. and, um, they're competing for an Orbea contract and Orbea, they've said in the show that Orbea doesn't necessarily care if this person is going to be winning races. They want this person to be really good, good ambassador for the brand. And, sure. um, at the end of the day, like, winning races is great it really shows a lot of like what your product can do and like how how it can perform but um people well, can, that are really i can tell you a little story about it too um yeah go for it you know so uh, another another random time uh during during my tenure at specialized um you know we we were looking for a way to to i think better connect with the women's market mm -hmm. and one of the projects that uh that we started to put together was to build out a women's only not a men's and a women's team, a women's only cyclocross team and uh, partnered with a brand called 10 Speed Hero. 10 Speed Hero is based in Chicago and owned by Luke Batten, who is a, um, a, a wonderful photographer. And just like, I think he's, he's one of the coolest people in our industry. He, he is not aspiring to take over Rafa. You know, he, he's just kind of like firmly in their path of, of making great inspirational apparel for all types of cyclists and, and predominantly a very, very good affinity for for making thing that cycling apparel that women love mm -hmm. and so we partnered with luke and uh we started trying to build out a team that would race domestically uh, throughout north america and uh race on cyclocross specifically and we saw an opportunity where you know we didn't have the budget to get you know whoever the best of the best was we we had enough budget to kind of try to lead with design we had enough budget to try to find some unique athletes and i think like that process of finding people it was so interesting. We interviewed a ton of people that, you know, really had no results. And, and one of those women who we interviewed uh, was Sarah Sturm. And so Sarah is now uh, a, a name known by most uh, people that are, you know, core in our community of cycling. Uh, Sarah, at the time when we spoke with her, uh, had never won a race. Maybe I'm maybe I'm embellishing that she'd never yeah, won a yeah, race. Yeah. Uh, but, but she never won a race. 
right. uh, for what it's worth. And, um, you know, when I, when I spoke to her for the first time, it, it was just so apparent that her personality was correct, that, mm -hmm. that she was, you know, so fun and, and, and just a, a genuinely wonderful and nice person. And that anybody that she would come in contact would so instantly become, you know, overwhelmed with, with, with her passion for the thing. And yeah, yeah. like, that was so important to realize that like, you don't have to have results. She, she now has results. Uh, she's yeah. done quite well for herself. Right. But like, I think like that was a case where like the results came after being the right athlete. Um, you know, she, I, 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 I can't, again, I can't continue speaking highly enough of her. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's one of those cases where she got it first as yeah. opposed to, you know, being the athlete first. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I was listening to somebody talk. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure who it was. It might have been Paul the punter on his little exit video, but he was saying something along the lines of mo a lot of, of regular people nowadays, if you tell them like the pro rider's name, they can't necessarily tell you what bike they ride. But if you mention like BKXE, like people know what bike he rides. If you say Seth, you know, or no, like, you know, well, I guess he's not a good example right now because he's in between sponsors. But like most most YouTubers, like if you mention them, and even if they're a pro, like a pro rider, like if you say Nate Hills, like I would have never known that Nate Hills was a Yeti rider if it wasn't for YouTube. Sure. You know what I mean? And um, I would just know that, yeah, that guy's a, a rad rider. You know what I mean? And and um, so I, I think it's really interesting to see kind of how people can affect like a brand so much more now with the way that social, social media is. So it's interesting. It's definitely interesting to see, um, see the kind of the perspective changing, yeah. you know? You know, and I know we're, 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 we're kind of leaning against athletes in, in, in this like little moment, but like to take it back to, you know, I guess what, what I do and what our, what our business is trying to achieve, mm -hmm. you know, it's much the same thing, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you said it at the top of the show where, you know, you've got your inbox flooded with deals. Right. Um, everybody's on sale right now, you know, and, and, and even more broadly than that. And something that I think, you know, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if you're supposed to say this or not, but like, you know, a lot of brands right now are, are lowering their actual advertised price. Uh, so it's not a sale that, that we have exclusively. Everybody's got it yeah, right, yeah. right now. If you want to buy, you know, there's, there's a number of different brands that right now are off of their minimum advertised price or their map. And, you know, you can go anywhere and get that deal. It, it you know, and we're all kind of held to the same thing, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, you're not going to find lower prices. Everybody's got that low price. So yeah, it's not like you can sell a Santa Cruz bike cheaper than somebody else can sell a Santa Cruz bike. Well, normally, uh, but right, right, right. Now, they're off map. So you can right, right. go to our site and you'll see, you know, prices down, you know, 30% off what they, they are for the rest of the year. And, and yeah. once those deals are gone, they're gone. But, you know, I guess coming back to the point, like we're 30% off, but so is competitive cyclist. You right. know, like, That's what I, was I see yeah. them as a competitor and, and while I value what they do and I, I love their website and how, you know, friendly it is as, as someone navigating that website, uh, you know, it's a price thing. Like it's not a brand yeah. thing. And yeah, so, yeah. so much of, I think what, what we're trying to accomplish is coming back and like defining, you know, what, 
do we stand for beyond just like shoveling bike shit into your garage? Yeah. Um, so does Mike's want to have a bigger online, like, like online sales presence? Is that what they're looking for in their kind of their, their business path? Well, uh, of course. I mean, I, I, I said it early on that, you know, our aspiration is to grow. Um, you know, we, we have done, I think, a great job in the Northern California area of, mm -hmm. of kind of aligning with what our customers want. They want a, a clean, knowledgeable, you know, sales floor, knowledgeable staff. They want, you know, wide product selection. You know, they want uh, a, a place where they feel comfortable going into and feel like they're going to get, you know, good work from. Uh, mm -hmm. on the same front, we need to figure out how to replicate that online, which is really tough. Um, when mm -hmm. I came on to this job, I, I started, um, a, a little over a year ago now, you know, we had a lot of, of, of really, I guess, you know, hard conversations about it. You, you would look on our website and you would see a lot of products that were simply a buy it now button. You know, mm -hmm. you, you couldn't learn about the product. You couldn't, uh, understand it. If you even chose to click that buy now button, there wasn't really any reinforcement that you had made the right decision. You had to do that research somewhere else. You had to watch the review on Pinkbike and then come to our site and click yes. And that online experience is so different than what we have in our stores. You know, if mm -hmm. you go to our stores, you know, every one of our, our sales staff um, and there's, you know, many hundreds of them between Northern California and now Colorado, which I can I can talk a little bit about in a minute. You know, we have almost 300 sales staff and all of those sales staff are required to go through training on every product we've got so that, you know, they they know what the shock tune is depending on model. They know why right. that bike is what it is. If you're buying an e-bike, they know how many watt hours and how to reduce your range anxiety. You know, those are all things that I think are are so important in a in a great retail environment that as soon as you get online, that shit just gets thrown to the wind. You know, yeah, you, yeah you have to go to the manufacturer's website in order to understand it. And I think, you know, that's one of the big goals for us is trying to figure out how do we support the retail customer wherever they want to shop. Um, I, I have this conversation and it's probably an unfavorable opinion, but every, we talk a lot about, you know, protecting our, our physical retail. I hate to say it. I don't go to physical retail. Like, you know, if I can click online, like that's what I would rather do. I, I you know, maybe it's because I'm socially awkward and I don't want to go into a store and have that conversation. But uh, I think people have obviously switched how they shop. I think a lot yeah. of people admit that, you know, and especially when you get into someone at, at your level who is a, you know, seasoned veteran, you, you can talk all yeah. the way back to 90s catalog. So, of course, right, you're right. more than the 19 year old sales dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you need that guy for? So yeah. again, I think, you know, one of our biggest opportunities is in terms of how do we reinforce a customer when they come to our site and make sure that they get the information they need in order to make the right decision. Um, yeah. And, and I think that, that there's, I think there's some, some, what I, I, I want to say maybe role models is not the right word, but there's some good examples of other shops that are doing it really well online right now. Absolutely. So, so there's definitely a format to follow, or at least a format to be inspired by. You, you know what I mean? Because you were saying earlier about like going to the manufacturer site. I mean, there's there's um like like worldwide, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can go watch their YouTube channel, and I'm sure the links that they have below 
are going back to their site, right? You know what I mean? And and I'm pretty sure that they have their videos on their like sales site as well, you know? So it's not a, a, a big separation there. So, but I don't think that like, A, they don't have all the market and B, um, I'm not saying that that's the only way to do it. So there's definitely room for like when you were kind of talking about, you know, the way that online shops or how you would make your, your, your website more like your actual shop. It just started making me think about like, oh, well, that would be a, like a way cooler, ex cooler experience to be able to see that kind of social, like, like video, YouTube-ish kind of video kind of integrated into the sales page in a way that didn't feel so like cookie cutter, like, oh, this looks like it was built on Shopify. You, you know what I mean? I trust me, man. I mean, that's, I, I live in it, right? Like yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that kind of comes back to it. It's it the the market is so tough right now. Um, yeah. My I, I as I've I've talked about, you know, I, I spent many years at Specialized. Um, you know, Specialized and Trek are both making major retail plays right now. Um, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, how many people are listening and from where they are, but you know, there's Trek stores popping up left and right, and and the reality of those stores is that those doors that are turning into Trek stores or that are turning into specialized corporate owned retail, those were your, your neighborhood shops and they're getting bought yeah. because they cannot compete with the, 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 the scale of what those stores are doing. And I think, yeah. you know, what, what we are really trying to do and, and I'll just like, I can come out and admit it, you know, we were purchased, Mike's bikes was purchased um, right when I came on. So back in uh, November of 2021, by the Pawn Group. And Pawn owns uh, Santa Cruz, Cervelo, uh, Gazelle, Cannondale. And what was happening was as Trek Specialized were purchasing up owned retail all around the country, they were squeezing all these other brands out yeah. and making it so, okay, cool. Specialized is pretty well known for that. Like, well, yeah, right. you know, You're I don't well. think that's a, a shocker to people that are, you know, pretty in tune with bike shops. Like, sure. at least for me, I mean, I'm not, like I'm not an anti-specialized guy, but I've definitely heard that from a lot of shops that they would have the tendency to be like, Hey, buy more of us and less of them. And, or you're not going to do so well with us, you know? So they would kind of push people around a little bit. A hundred percent. But you yeah. know, I, well, I'll, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, but I also think that's the behavior of everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to sell your product, right? <laughs> Exactly. So if, if, you know, you're a specialized shop and specialized is the brand that is, you know, flying off the shelves, the easiest, the best, and you also carry Cannondale, of course, specialized wants to dump Cannondale out. Yeah, like, right. of course, like, you know, specialized would be bad at business if they didn't do that. But yeah. I think that comes back to it now where like, you know, that the era of your local bike shop is slowly drifting away. And it's so, sad though, because you're not going to be able to get that like, level of variety anymore it's going to be like you're walking into a, a bias you know what yeah. i mean where it's like hey this is all the bikes that 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 specialized owns you know and and unless you want if you want actually to have a comparison you have to go to another shop that's going to be yeah. full of all the bikes that they own you know it's it's um well it, you, you know, you're dead on bad. right you go into a specialized owned retail track owned retail right now and if you want to yeah. buy a different helmet your choice is to buy the expensive one or the cheap one like that's right. what you can do. I think, you know, our position and, and again, what we're, you know, really trying to hold on to. And, and one of the reasons that I think like our relationship with, with 
our our mothership pawn um you know juggernaut in its own right it's hard for me to like say like oh we're the local guys um, yeah but at the but the, at the end of the day you know our relationship to that brand is based on how do they conserve you know real estate for for the businesses that they have and at yeah. the end of the day they also are not pushing out other brands so we carry giant we carry orbea yeah. uh we carry Giro, we carry you know an enormous amount of brands where you know customers can come in and still have retail selection uh, and I think that's important to a degree, you know, selection for selection's sake is not necessarily good. Uh, if you don't yeah. know what you want and you just got a bunch of it, you walk back out, not knowing anything, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Challenge. but you know, it's, I think, yeah, it's, it's really hard for small bike shops right now to, uh, to, to make a dent when, you know, specialized at owned retail is now making 80% on margin, you know, because yeah. they don't have to pay the middleman. They don't have to do all of that stuff. And, you know, they have infinite resources for us yeah. you know for the, for the bike world like infinite isn't google money but it's you know it's a lot yeah. I, I i still think that there is something special about a good local shop that um will trump some like financially driven purchasers i don't know how to say that like people that are Sometimes you're willing to pay a little bit more for the regular, for the shop. And sometimes the shop like isn't necessarily bending over backwards to sell something cheaper or like they're not always more expensive than online either. You know what I mean? Like some people have this idea that, oh, if it's online, it's definitely cheaper. And it's like, that's not always the case. But I think that um, what I can say about Mike's is I, I've been a customer of Mike's for a, a really long time. Um, Way back in the day, I I used to have a, a Cannondale, a Lefty, and they were the only shop around that worked on the Lefty Forks at the time. So I started going to the one in Sacramento and like back in like 2006. So that relationship really was built around, of me using that shop was really built around your service department. Yeah, And I think that, that that's one of the key things that any shop has. But once you have some like faith in the service department, then you start like building the same faith in the sales team because you're like, well, they hired these guys. Then these yeah. other dudes must know what they're talking about as well. And then it also just makes it easy. Like you walk in, you're like, there's certain things I can do a lot on my bike. There's certain things I just don't want to mess with. I you mean, I have a buddy that, that you know, owns a, a hub company, you know, and he tried to teach me how to, to lace the wheel. And I lasted like five minutes. I was like, I'm not doing this. I don't even care. Like, you know, so if I, if I need my, my wheel relaced, I'm going to the shop. If I need, you know, the, uh, the race on my fork changed, I'm not buying the $500 part. I'm just going to spend the the 15 bucks that the shop's going to charge me to go in there and have it put on or taken off whenever I'm switching a fork. Sure. But whenever I walk in now, I can have a conversation with somebody that's like, Hey, did you try these tires? You know, outside of like my friend group, you know, that, um, Sometimes it's good to have that perspective from somebody that's, you know, maybe not going to tell you what you want to hear. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I mean, here's here's the funny thing. Like, uh, I got this all the time at Specialized because, you know, we were the juggernaut, right? Like, we yeah. were a big corpo giant that was just trying to ruin everything for the small man. <laughs> and like right. that bullshit, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. I've ridden, like, like I said, you know, I've, I've ridden bikes since I was daydreaming about Bike Nash Bar back in the 90s. Yeah. You know, I am as core a rider as you can get in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, yeah. And and everybody that is there is. They all are. Um, yeah. You know, to to a large degree, everybody there is a bike rider. And I think, 
you know, much in our business, you don't go work at a bike shop unless you want deals on bikes, right? Like, right. you know, so you're a cyclist to a large degree. It doesn't matter, you know, if we, you know, end up with a hundred shops across the country, we are going to fill those shops with people that are enthusiasts and that are invested in the community and that want the best for their own riding uh, and the, the riding of their customers. So it's like, I, I think that goes all the way back to the beginning of saying, you know, like, you know, we are lucky to work in a lifestyle industry. You know, you, you, you can, you can be upset that, you know, someone is big and successful and they do all sorts of stuff that, you know, is just trying to, uh, you know, make the corporate giant feel, uh, homely, but at the end of the day, it's a bunch of bike dorks. Yeah. So let's talk about how, um, Mike Scott started. I think it's kind of a little interesting story. Can you tell the, the little, the, the elevator backstory? Sure. Yeah. So, well, so funny enough, Mike's, uh, people, people ask, uh, you know, who's who's Mike? Mike? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's no Mike, uh, there, there, there's no Mike. Uh, there wasn't a Mike. Um, Mike's bikes was a small shop in, uh, in Marin. So, uh, for those that are not familiar with, with where we are and what our area is, um, uh, Marin is the area right North of the golden gate bridge. Uh, and we had one shop there, one shop became two shops and, uh, the, Even the guy that owned that shop, I'm when I was reading the history thing, his name wasn't Mike either. No. Where did the name Mike's even come from? Do you guys know? I have no idea. It was. It's it, like picked it out of the hat. 1964. Uh, I, I swear to God, I wasn't born. Uh, at yeah. Because uh, I think the dude that when I was reading it was like the original guy was like Rich or something like that. It wasn't right. even Mike. Yeah. That's just like oh, I'll get him. I'll, yeah. I'll, right. I'll, He's like everybody for years. Right. He's like this just doesn't work on the sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Um, in, in 97, uh, our, now I, it, I, the vernacular of how this all works is, is tough because we, again, like I said, we were just sold. So yeah, I was yeah, our I former it. owner, uh, right. but our former owner, uh, Ken Martin, um, uh, moved out from the East coast, uh, to work at a bike shop for, for one of his friends who owned these two stores. Uh, and that was kind of how it all got started. We, we were those two stores, uh, for quite a while, um, Ken ended up buying those from the person who brought him from the East Coast to the West Coast to work here. Uh, and then we started to expand. And pretty quickly, we went from uh, those two stores uh, to San Francisco and Palo Alto and then up to Sacramento and right. Berkeley. And, and now in the Bay, we've got 12 actual retail storefronts. Um, I think that's one of the things that really makes um, shopping at Mike's uh, stand out compared to other shops. Because you can walk in and maybe they don't have the bike that you're looking for right there, but you guys can check your system. You're like, oh, we got one in San Rafael. We can get that over here in a day or two or whatever it is. And so like the, it really gives you kind of that economy of scale, but yeah. in still a, a small bike shop feeling. You don't walk in feeling like you're at REI, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, that, I think that's so important to, to, to what we are, are trying to do. Um, you know, we, we, we want to make sure it still feels like a local bike shop. However, uh, you know, we, we do have a little bit different, you know, retail guideline. Um, it, our, our stores, you know, I think we, we really try to make them clean and organized. We, we have our staff, um, you know, in uniforms, t-shirts or, or collared shirts, you know, we try to make it so it's an experience that is not just like a bunch of kids, <laughs> Uh, or, or, you know, people in a bike shop, uh, you know, 
everybody's been in a dirty bike shop. I, I, I don't need to pull any punches on that. Right. I think, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do is make make a shop that, that people feel comfortable coming to, uh, whether you're a new cyclist or somebody who's been, you know, riding bikes as long as we have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys do a lot of other things though, outside of like just being a bike shop as well. So I know at least the local one that's here in Sacramento, they have like a weekly gravel ride. I'm pretty sure that you guys also have like classes, like service kind of classes, don't you? Yeah. Well, how about this? Let me uh, like this will, uh, I, I can explain it a little bit differently. Um, yeah, go for it. Let's just the why. Like I could, I could totally tell you about all the little, little bits and bobs that we do, but I think, you know, in, in reality, like there's a reason to why we do them. Um, and, and I, I can explain that pretty clearly. Um, you know, the big thing comes back to, you know, what are we trying to do? I think that we believe that if we do right by the customer, we'll sell more stuff. Like we're, mm -hmm. a store. we're trying to sell stuff. And, and right. we believe that if we support them correctly and that we help them in the places where they want to be, that ultimately will make more money in the long run if we're invested in the right spots. And so that was one of the first things that, that I really tried to change when I came on back in 2021, you know, our, our mission statement was more butts on bikes and mm -hmm. that's fine. Uh, more butts on bikes is totally fine. Uh, when you're a couple of shops, um, you know, it's, it's funny, it's in line with the bike culture of, of everything, but mm -hmm. it isn't necessarily very instructive to our staff. It doesn't really tell them what we're trying to achieve. And so we started thinking a little bit more deeply about that and trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And a lot of the things that everybody broadly across the organization really wanted to focus on was how do we support the community where our shops are? And so from that, we expanded our, our mission statement out to be to help people experience the world by bike, to live a healthier lifestyle and to engage with their cycling community. So when we think about what we're trying to do or how we filter any question, when somebody comes in and says, hey, will you support my event? We can filter it through that and decide, does this make sense for what we're trying to do? What we are not trying to do is discount stuff. We are not trying to get the lowest price. We are not trying to um, you know, have the fastest turnaround on service. Like We are trying to engage with our customers in a way that, that helps more people be on their bike more often helps people lose weight or be more active, however they want to do it. And then also gives them something to do, uh, which comes back to things like trail building and advocacy work throughout all the places where we are. The next step from that piece, from changing what our, our, our mission kind of was, uh, really kind of filtered into three specific marketing goals. Um, we try to support the rider on their sales journey. We uh, support the communities where our shops physically are and we want to entertain and engage with our customers. Um, that gives us kind of the framework for everything that, that my team does um, and, and my responsibility. I lead all of our creative, our video, our social, uh, all of those. And I've got a, a really wonderful team of people around, around us uh, yeah. that help to kind of execute that stuff. So I, just to be absolutely clear, I, I do almost nothing uh, besides, uh, say, uh, one more rev, like do it again. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I've seen you on there. I've seen you on the YouTube channel and I'm breaking it down. You, you might not be a mountain biker, but I can tell you're definitely a road guy. And, uh, maybe, maybe in that gravel group. Cause you, you, I was listening to your Cerve Cervelo video and you got definitely lots of history going on there. So, yeah. Uh, so anyways, 
Yeah, yeah, no, good stuff, man. I can tell you're very comfortable on the camera. So I knew we would be fine on this interview. <laughs> it's, you know, I just, anytime I put a backwards hat on, I can talk. That's how it goes. There you go, right? If you ever get nervous, try it. Just flip around. Right, uh, yeah, I will do that. So uh, not to, to hold on to the stage for, for forever. Uh, no, go for it, man. We're know, here to talk about mics, man. Those Those three points, I think, are what we are trying to use to separate us from everybody else. Um, right. You know, when I talk about supporting the writer on their sales journey, you know, that is so important. Um, I <laughs> a completely a side story. Um, years ago, uh, I was a dorky college kid. Uh, I'm still a dorky adult, uh, but I decided I was going to buy a PlayStation mm -hmm. and it was every bit of money I had. And I really wanted to play Gran Turismo. I'm a car dork as well. Mm -hmm. And I went in and I bought it and I bought the game. And I checked out at GameStop, uh, which I didn't get on that stock. Uh, and the guy like was like, oh, you should have bought an Xbox. That was the last thing he said to me as I left the place. And I got in my car with my all of my money in one, one device. And I thought about that the whole way home. And by the time I got home, I was so miserable about my purchase that I wanted to return it. Uh, I felt so bad about you know, spending this money that I'd worked so hard on. You know, I think that's so much of the reason why it's so important to help make sure that we reinforce somebody when they've made a big purchase. You know, that's I'm actually sure that you did that. That's like a kind of a shitty thing to do. <laughs> you know what, I'm gonna, I will find him at some point right. in my, and I will smash an ice cream cone into his face. Right, uh, right. Tell him, look, man. <laughs> hey, man, you messed up my video game life. Uh, I could have right. been. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I think like that's so important. We, I don't know how how much does your bike cost? Do you have an expensive one? I bet. Do you yeah, have one with five yeah. figures? Yeah, definitely. I got the cheap okay. ones too. That's expensive. Well, but cheap isn't cheap. A thousand yeah. bucks for somebody, five hundred bucks for somebody is a ton of money. And so, yeah, you yeah. Know, whether whether somebody's coming in and buying the latest and greatest, you know, fully adjustable, high and low speed, and everything right, right. You know, across the board, whatever it is, uh, you know, with a motor stuck on the bottom of it or they're buying a $500 bike to get around the neighborhood. You know, it's our responsibility to make sure that they feel like they've bought the right thing. And so mm -hmm. we have to bring a level of expertise that that proves to them and shows them that they're making the right decision. And then on top of that, it's also our responsibility to make sure that they have all the other stuff that they need. Uh, do they have a helmet? Do they have a flat kit? Do they have a pump at home? Uh, do they understand that their tires need to be pumped? Uh, all of those things are so critical to making sure that we don't just get someone that buys a bike and then hangs it in their garage and doesn't become a cyclist. Mm -hmm. That is what we are trying to do. So, you know, you, you referenced some of the videos that, that we've been doing. Um, I tend to be the road guy. Uh, one of our other former owners, Matt Adams tends to be the mountain guy. Um, but we're not stuck with that. I'd love to have you on as well. Uh, yeah. let's talk how to set up suspension. Let's talk, uh, you know, how do you maintain your drivetrain? Whatever it is, you know, there's, yeah, I think you guys have like, uh, um, you have a really good opportunity to monopolize on your experience within your shops yeah. to make a really well-rounded, um, like social presence. Let's just say it that way. You know, like you have a bunch of really good mechanics, you know what I mean? Like, and you get to choose which one of them are like good at talking. You know, some of them might be just really good at wrenching. Some of them might be better at talking and you yeah. have like more than one guy to choose from. You know what I mean? So that's like, that's really, that's a cool thing. Plus you have product, which is like, um, 
to me, um, reviews get views. Like we know that as a YouTuber. So it's like, whether it's a first look or it's a, an actual review on a bike, like you have them coming into the shop. You guys have a demo fleet yeah. available to your customers as well as to your yourself. Right. So like to be able to say, Hey, we know we're, you know, the new Bronson's coming out and we can have that out and be ready to make a video like day one and have that out on the internet as soon as it's launching like that puts you in a pretty good place you know as compared to maybe some other content creator who maybe they have an in with with santa cruz right and they'll get it like right around launch but um they're not going to be able to be as consistent as you are with as many brands that you have yeah so i i i truly see the value in a shop kind of like having a position like yours in place and especially if they want to run with it, you know, like there's, um, it's, it, it's really, it's, it kind of reminds my day job is it. And it kind of reminds me of it as well. It's like, how much money do you want to spend to make money? Because yeah. honestly you could have like eight, 10 people in there cranking out videos all the time. Yeah. And, um, you, you'd have a really big following and you probably get a lot of sales from it, but then it gets really hard to like, extrapolate that into like dollars and cents always and that that's like the same problem you have with it right it's like yeah we just spent a million dollars on this computer uh, computer equipment can we really prove how much faster and more efficient it is you know like to a certain extent yes but um no i really um i i think what what is what's what's the idea that you guys have for how you want to see this social kind of media presence go with mics well uh, um uh, you know i think sticking in the the trend of you know what we're trying to do on youtube you know those those reviews have a dedicated place you know we mm -hmm. are trying you know santa cruz has launched 37 new bikes this year um you know so we we've been chasing trying to make sure that we are we are having you know something meaningful to say about each one of them when mm -hmm. you know, they introduce a new bike we are we are not reciproc or pardon me we're not um regurgitating the press release or, you know, white paper, whatever they give us, you know, we are trying to write it ahead of time. We're trying to film something on it. We're trying to talk about it as bicycle experts. Again, you know, like the same way that you would talk to someone in a store, that's what we're trying to fill the need with, with a lot of that YouTube content. Beyond that though, like our webs, web experience, you know, if you go to, you know, any of the new bikes, whether it's the 5010, the, uh, the, the Heckler, any of the Santa Cruz's that have launched, um, you know, we, bold and giant and all, all of the brands that we carry, we have been trying to build out those web experiences, again, to provide information to people in a way that bike shops typically have not. Um, mm -hmm. We want to make sure that that information, whether you want to go into the store and talk to somebody, or you just want to cruise around our website, you've got a rich experience where you can really learn about the product and, and how it works. Yeah. We do have to walk like it, it's tough, right? Like. It, I, I continue to make the joke back to like our responsibility is trying to sell stuff. Right. And so it's a little bit precarious because we're trying to make reviews or, you know, content about product that we're ultimately trying to sell. So it, it's a tough thing where, you know, you, we'd never want to say like, Oh, this is junk. Don't buy it. Um, but at the same time, like we want to make sure that the product is getting into the hands of the person that is going to benefit the most from it. So I think there's, there's an aspect of that where it's like, you know, bikes are all, we're, we're lucky 
20 years ago, you probably couldn't do this because some of the bikes sucked. Uh, mm -hmm. You get on a Klein Mantra, best of luck getting down a hill. Uh, but now everything's so good that like you, you really can, for the most part, recommend something for everybody. Um, there's a bike that is good for, for, for pretty much anybody. And I think like that's, again, that's really important. So, you know, in that space, again, uh, trying to make a consistent retail environment, we're trying to replicate what we're doing in the stores online. We're trying to really support with, you know, great, engaging, funny, hopefully, uh, you know, video content, uh, from, from YouTube. And that is represented on our website. That is really what we're trying to do when we're, we're talking about supporting the rider on their sales journey. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, so that's, that's the first one. We got two more of these bad boys. If you want to go through them. Um, the second one, uh, the second thing that we really filter everything through comes back to supporting, uh, support the community where our bike shops are. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is really important because like, we aren't specialized and track. We do not have an infinite money. Pawn does not just shake a stick and dump money on us. We are still a bike shop. Uh, That's we weird. Do not have infinite funds. Uh, <laughs> so we had to figure out how do we make the biggest impact for the people that are are are, are patronizing our shops. Uh, uh -huh. And so we have very simply said, if we've got a bike shop there, we will be invested into the community, whether that is trail building supporting local trail groups, whether that is, uh, you know, supporting advocacy groups, whether it's creating events, you talked about, you know, the gravel ride up in Sacramento, um, mm. you know, we, we run rides out of a lot of our shops, um, whether it is, uh, you mentioned this as well. Um, you mentioned that we do tech service, uh, clinics every Tuesday night. If you go to a Mike's bikes at like five o'clock, uh, we do a tech clinic. Oh, you want to know how to do something? Cool. We do that every single Tuesday of the year. Uh, you yeah. can go, and you can learn how to work on your own bike. You know, that... yeah, I used to work for I used to work for Home Depot when I was in college, and um, that was one of the things that they did there for their customers was like, come in, learn how to learn how to lay tile, like yeah. come in and do these things. And I just really thought that you know at that time that you know that's really unique to like teach somebody maybe the service that you're selling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, but at the end of the day, I think that makes them a much more valuable customer. And then to later on down the road, see a bike shop doing the same thing. I think that's really rad. And it like goes to show like what the core values of the business are. Yeah. And it's not, and it doesn't make you feel like the core value is like, let me see how much money I can get out of this guy's wallet. You know, yeah. like, and, and at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> the idea is that it helps get more money out of a guy's wallet. But I, I think that, um, Right, right. But I think that the, you know, be, the, the, the thought behind it, the reason behind it, it has more of a, like a, a virtuous kind of reasoning behind it. And, and that I really respect that, you know, it's like, how many places can you go into that are like, Hey, our job here is to fix flat tires and you to come in and say, Hey, I don't know how to fix a flat tire. Will you show me? And they're like, yeah, let me show you, you know, like that's, that's pretty rad. So I don't know. That's a little little side rant for me or not, but like, I I think that that's the kind of things that make your local shop stand out, you know. And I think that's one of the things that made Mike's Bikes become as big as it is in Northern California. And I think if you can find a really like if you can find a way to portray that online, you'll take off. You know what I mean? Like, because if you go to competitive cyclist website or, you know, some of the other big brands that are out there, 
they all really look the same. And that's the part where, where I, I struggle with as a person that has been in it and done web design in the past and stuff like, I, I feel like they're just so cookie cutter looking that it's like, it makes me not feel like, like it's an experience that's actually built like for me to enjoy. You, you know what I mean? It, it always, it, like to me, it feels like this is like, Hey, we need to have a website. So let's put one up together. Sure. Instead of like, let's build a website with the same values that we have as a shop. Yeah. And I mean, I, unfortunately, web development's really expensive. Yeah. But um, once again, when you were talking about that earlier, it really started making me think about like, what would that experience feel like? And it, I think that the first time I, I would ever come to a shop that had that experience, I would instantly want to come back. Right. Because then it would it would be like, no, this is exactly what I this is how I want this to feel, right. you know, I mean, that's that's why, you know, you that's why you are a return customer to a specific place. It's because you feel like that's your home. That's your community. Right. And it's right. it's it's so hard to replicate online. You know, when I look at competitive cyclists and, you know, I've got tons of respect for for what they've created as a business, you know, there I, I look at their store and I'm like, man, this is so easy to navigate compared to what yeah. we and like, we're trying to incrementally get better in that way. But I think again, you know, like I, I had a really great conversation, um, you know, again, like I've been trying to pull as many clubs or arrows out of my quiver as possible. Yeah. I had a wonderful conversation with uh, the founder of, uh, of the, the men's brand Huckberry. And one uh -huh. of the things that I walked away from that conversation with was, uh, you know, they approach, I don't know if you know what Huckberry is. They sell men's stuff. Uh, if you need holiday stuff, just like send that to your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. Uh, and we'll inevitably get something awesome. A, a, a cleaver that can cut down a tree or uh, <laughs> made from the head of a yak. I don't know. Uh, or yeah. yeah, you get it. Um, they do a great job of curating and telling narratives about men's stuff where you're like, right. it's like Ikea. You go into Ikea and you didn't go for a spatula and then you come out and you got 15 of them in your hands. Uh, right. same Huckberry. You, they do such a wonderful job of it. But I, ha I had a conversation with Andy, who who was one of the founders uh, of, of Huckberry, and he 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 encouraged me and and our team to go after this thought that is uh, now next. Uh, sorry, uh, now next and soon. I'm trying to think. There's there's three of them. So it's just it was. It was really important. <laughs> very important, right? It, <laughs> this idea of like, what can you actually do? Like if you get stuck on thinking like, oh man, we can't do anything until our website matches what competitive cyclist does, then we will just like never, ever, ever uh, get to that. What yeah. can we do now? I can adjust the navigation today. So let's try to make that experience better for a customer. I can, you know, support local trail building by, you know, putting money in the pockets of somebody that's got to buy some shovels and go dig, you know, those right. types of things. Like what can you do now? What can you do next? What are the bigger projects that are slightly, you know, out of your reach today, but you could do as soon as you start building a little bit of infrastructure? And then what are those future projects? There we go. I got to it. It's future. Now, next. There you future. go. You, what are the big things that you want to do? You know, if we want to be America's best bike shop, like we aren't, we aren't going to be that tomorrow, you know, but we can be in five years. And, it, and what yeah. does that look like? So like, I think that was something that was so important and instructive in terms of how do you frame up? what you're trying to do. And you have to have such clarity in your mission in order to uh, inspire our employees to do it. Because, you know, another thing, you know, I, I'm still kind of in the bubble of talking about 
what we do in the local community. But one of the things that that we're we're implementing right now is that we pay 40 hours a year of trail work for employees. Every employee. We've got 300 dudes uh, that work at bike shops uh, in here in Colorado. And to be able to pay them, hey, your manager says, go get them, work, uh, build trails, dig, uh, do bike advocacy, whatever it can be, whatever is an approved project within your community. Like those are things that like we can do. It took a little bit of time to figure out how a program like that could exist. But I think those are the types of things that make an enormous impact on it. And it, when you start thinking about that quantity of work, it could really make cycling better for everybody. Uh, where you guys, have some, you guys have some pretty cool perks for your employees. I, I know that um, you also get like a day off when you buy a new bike. Uh, like I don't you go ride that. your bike. Huh? I buy a lot of bikes, man. I don't get those days off. Yeah. Maybe it's not a day off or it's like, it's like some time off. Like whenever you buy a new bike, like it's like new bike day. So you can go out and go ride your bike or something like that. Yeah. And I, then maybe that's a shop specific thing or something. Then I, I've also heard, um, like, how about uh, this? why don't we take that idea and we'll put it in right now. We, right. There we go. That's, that's the, that's a thing that we can do. That's easy. Yeah. Um, Isn't it like 10 cents a mile too? like anybody, like how, how much you ride your employees yeah. ride, you get something like that. So yeah, I mean, we, I feel like those are cool, like cool little perks, man. We actually, um, that conversation that I've been having, um, uh, uh, that I've been having with our founder, with Ken, um, you know, everybody knows Outside Magazine now, uh, especially because yeah. they now laid off all of their American uh, staff. Uh, woof, rough. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, now you're one of the biggest media giants in all of cycling. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, maybe Brett's on here next. Um, Outside puts out the 50 best places to work in the outdoor industry. And, uh -huh. and we've been talking about setting a target of let's get it. Like we should be on that list. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it again, like, like Andy from, from Huckberry said now, next and future, like, what can we do today? What can we do tomorrow? And then what can we get out in the future? You know, we mm -hmm. can, we can today, we can get that program started where we get people paid cash to go work on trails. Yeah. If you got the initiative and the, the drive to go do it, let's pay you because that makes everything better for everybody. If we want to get to a place where, you know, we are uh, fully funding a new mountain bike park, maybe that's a future thing. But like, if that's something that's going to ladder back to us being the best place to work, we should be doing it. And we should be making that like, you know, incremental gain towards getting to that goal. So, you know, those are, I think, just some of the things around that topic of like, you know, what is our responsibility to the community where our bike shops are? Um, it doesn't mean that I don't care about places where our bike shops aren't, um, but it's a way for us to make sure that we're using our budget in the most effective way to support the communities where we actually live. Yeah, I mean, but like on the flip side of what you just said, I mean, you are also supporting biking in places where you don't live. Like, do you guys have a program in Africa? We do. You want to talk about uh, that? Sure, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's actually so the Mike's Bikes Africa Foundation uh, is a big uh, it, it is a a big initiative that was put forward by by Ken Martin, our, our original founder. Um, and it's a very unique program. I think, you know, anybody in the bicycle industry is probably familiar to some degree with, you know, Buffalo bikes and, and you know, trying to get uh, bicycles as a form of transportation to in, in that case, a lot of that project goes to sub-Saharan Africa. Um, the idea behind the Mike's Bikes Africa Foundation is slightly different. The idea really came about from cycling being a lifestyle and cycling being something that we all cared about. And 
the idea that if you help them build the infrastructure in order to turn this into something that is more than just transportation, if you're able to inspire people to become business owners, bike shop owners, to help build their inventory so that they can work on and maintain and upkeep bikes, that they can start to build a culture of cycling, you know, similar to what we have. And so what we do with the Mike's Bikes uh, Africa Foundation is take donations of bicycles in, um, in good condition. Um, funny enough, uh, I, we just posted up a couple of videos on our YouTube channel that outline the donation guidelines and give a little bit of a, a pitch to what the program actually is. But those bikes then get loaded into a container, they get shipped to Africa, and then they are actually sold. Uh, we do not sell them. They are provided, they're donated to the shops that are there. But people are so, um, so incredible about turning anything into a shop. Um, you know, they'll take the container that the bikes got dropped off on and, and turn that into a shop with a garage door and they work on bikes out in front of it. But what they really need are, you know, bikes that people can purchase uh, at a reasonable price. Uh, they need tires, they need apparel, they need all of these things where, you know, they, they don't have access to it easily. And so we take donations of that and try to provide it over there. We help with the shipping costs to get them all the way to Africa. And then we work with the organization on the ground over there. Um, uh, if, if anybody goes and watches one of the videos, Christian is the leader that we have on the ground there who physically works to actually distribute all the different parts. So it's very different than a transportation-based organization. It is about trying to build bicycle culture uh, in a different way. Um, it's That's cool interesting. Part. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that there's places in the world that don't have access to bicycles. I think it's something that, as an American, you really take for granted. Well, and, I mean, come on, man, they're expensive. Yeah, Again, yeah. You just said you had yourself. You know, you've got a ten thousand dollar bike sitting in your garage. Uh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Not a lot. Yeah, of money. yeah. And then when you start you thinking would... about how much a bike costs at the entry level, I said it earlier: five hundred bucks is a lot of money. Um, yeah. You know, People don't have that ability to get into the sport. And then once you start thinking about, cool, I bought a bike for $500. Now I need shoes and a helmet and a pump and a flat kit. And, uh, you know, like it just, it starts to build up so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, it's just like, um, you, you don't think about how, how much of a, I guess a recreational sport it is, you know? Or you don't think about how valuable it is as far as like a means of transportation for some other places. Yeah. And then um, I think because you just like, at least being an American, you just assume like there's always bike shops. But like when I was in Jamaica this summer, like there's no bike shop. Like if you yeah. get a, if you need a new tire, you got to order it and wait like whatever a month for it to show up, you know, like it's, um, just even, interesting even with that like like just to come to point back to the program again in, in in a way that i think goes unseen most of the time you go to jamaica you blow out the sidewall on a tire and you order one in guess what that thing comes in on a jeff bezos drone and gets right. dropped down to you you know like that did nothing for the population there right. the africa foundation is is simply put it is there to support the people in that local community and provide them with the ability to maintain and service and grow their own cycling culture. So they are selling the stuff and making the profit. Yeah. They are maintaining the stuff and making sure it's on the road. Like it doesn't go back to daddy Bezos dumping tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's really important. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Where, um, where, where do you guys see you guys moving 
forward with, you know, like in, in your future plan right now that you were talking about? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Um, you know, our, our hope, our goal, you know, is that, that we can continue to expand, but it's, I, I think, you know, again, like we've talked so much about the brand building and the things that are really important for us to make sure are represented, um, that we don't want to move before we have aligned a lot of those things. Um, mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, we are, uh, one of the things that we're really excited for in the first quarter of next year, um, we acquired, uh, about six months ago now, uh, the Elevation Cycles brand based in Denver. So Elevation Cycles are four retail locations that are based in the greater Denver area. There's one in downtown Denver. Uh, mm -hmm. There's another that is in uh, kind of the east side of Denver, one in Highlands Ranch and one in Parker. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, we ended up, we bought those stores uh, as part of our plan to continue to expand where we, where we are able to affect. Um, and, you know, it's funny, I, I was out there a couple of weeks ago and we, we had a conversation with them about, you know, what we plan to do with that brand and how we want to transition it into being Mike's Bikes. And it's such an interesting thought. You know, we don't want to just go buy a random bike shop because we need to be represented in Austin, Texas. Right. We want to find shops that are aligned with what we do. And I think mm -hmm. one of the things that was so interesting about the Elevation brand was that they were us but just earlier in their life cycle. The mm -hmm. four stores that they have are beautiful. They are, they are professional. Their sales staff is, you know, very similarly trained. They, you know, they have such a passion for that customer service that I think is so necessary in, in our industry. And at the end of the day, you know, they support their community just like we do back here, you know, like mm -hmm. the same, you know, mission, vision, all that fluffy stuff that, that we've been talking through, they did. They hadn't put a name on it, but mm -hmm. all of those things are there. They support local trail building. They uh, support group rides. They work on, you know, training groups to help their customers, you know, achieve, you know, their first hundred mile road ride. Uh, and they've got so much stuff, right? Like you can go out and do the Copper Triangle or any of the, you know, big, big rides that they've got. And they support all of their customers from that greater Denver area in, in achieving those goals. And so, you know, I think when we start to think about where does Mike's bikes want to see it, where do we want to go in the future? It's, it's really to align with shops that, that, that have that similar value that, that mm -hmm. understand the importance of customer service and of, of, of supporting the community. Um, those, those things are really important. So, you know, with, with the stores that we've got in the Bay, we've got 12 now total, uh, and we've got four, uh, out in, in Denver. Um, it's, it's undetermined where we'll go next, but that's the plan is to continue to identify, um, either existing shops or regions where we can continue to kind of grow in that same way of, of supporting with, with all of those same, you know, same aspects. Mm -hmm. But, um, so that I'm, I'm understanding correctly, but at the same time, you're trying to build more of an online sales presence as well. Well, and, and, Yes, absolutely. W w without a doubt. Um, so it's like two tiered. You're, you're trying to do more brick and mortar and then also build out a an online presence as well. I think one aligns with the other. Um, yeah, I, I think that that, you know, we you know, one of the one of the pieces of of, of acquiring the elevation locations uh, came into helping them with better distribution in their own area. 
The way that Mike Spikes in the Bay operates, we have a distribution center that's based in Novato. And you, you mentioned it earlier, if, if, oh, this store didn't have the bike that I needed, uh, you know, we can have it delivered to that store so you can still get it. Um, you know, we, we transfer products around place to place by truck. Um, the same thing now in Denver. Uh, after we made that acquisition, we actually opened a distribution center. And that distribution center now uh, builds all of their bikes and quality controls them. Then it delivers those bikes uh, to the stores. It delivers their inventory. And we're able to manage that inventory and our California inventory all together to figure out how we can get product to customers, uh, whether at retail or online. The other great thing about that is like, again, like we're all so trained and I, I admitted it earlier that like, I don't really shop in stores. Um, you know, we're trained by, you know, one day shipping now on Amazon and we're trained by, you know, free shipping everywhere else. What the acquisition of uh, the stores in Denver allows us to do is to help to make our shipping times to the East Coast more competitive because, you know, that's the big thing. Like if, if yeah. you know, because you can buy a Giro helmet from us or on Amazon and Amazon's yeah. going to, you know, like I said, they're going to drop it from the sky on a drone while yeah. we've got a bunch of guys in our warehouse, you know, finding it, packing it, uh, you know, getting it out. We just don't have the infrastructure uh, to compete with some of those businesses. But at the end of the day, the customer doesn't care. So as part of our, right. our plan, you know, we, we really need to make sure that, that we are staying competitive in a lot of the operational pieces as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. So it wouldn't be hard to say that you guys end up looking for something on the East Coast to kind of bridge that gap a little bit then. Where, where should we go? Yeah, yeah, right. You tell me, where's the best riding out on the East Coast? Can you um can you right now go on the the Mike's Bike shop or website and buy something and then pick it up at the shop or do you of course. is it like so you can do that? Yep. Yeah, click and collect. Um you know, you can you can do that right now. We the Elevation brand still exists, so if you go to Elevation Cycles in Denver, you can uh, buy something online, you can go into the store and collect it. Um, same thing at any of our Mike's Bikes locations here in, in the Bay Area. You can, it doesn't matter, you could live across the street from the store and you could buy it online and go pick it up in the store or you could buy it and have it delivered to your door. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we have to compete. <laughs> Um, you know, we have to, we have to meet the customers where they want and if they don't want to walk across the street to the store. Yeah. Uh, we either lose them as a customer or we have to, to meet them where they are. Do you see yourselves getting into like the um, like kind of custom builds market? Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about that. You know that um, if you go check out our YouTube again, you know, we've been uh, taking a pretty big focus on uh, high end builds and filming those. Um, you know, there's a couple of channels that are just ridiculous on YouTube. I'm, I'm sure you know them, too where they've gotten, you know, 10 million views on, you know, the build of whatever, um, you know, I think because our shops are so unique and that they are, um, you know, they're really like their, their neighborhood shops, they're local, you know, again, mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people walk in and are like, this is the highest end shop. You know, this is Vecchio's in Boulder. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you go into Mike's bikes where a completely different vibe. So I don't think that we have a lot of people that, you know, really realize that like we have incredible mechanics, like the people that yeah. rent the stores are like career mechanics and they're really good at it. Uh, not to mention, uh, you know, we do a lot of custom builds and we do those from our distribution centers where we're able to package a bike and make it so you can pull it out of your, your uh, a box at home and we can ship those anywhere. 
So we've been doing a bunch of videos uh, that we call Butter Builds. I have no idea where that name come from. Um, your guess yeah. is good as mine. Um, but our goal is to, to continue to kind of push into that custom space where if you want to come, you know, buy a Santa Cruz frame or buy a Yeti or, you know, whatever, you know, bicycle brand that you want, uh, you can buy from us and then we could put whatever drivetrain, whatever suspension, yeah. whatever things you want on it. I've seen some builders buy some, some of the like individual shops, you know, that have like a web builder mm-hmm. and, um, if there was a, a bigger national brand that was doing something like that, I feel like they'd be able to do, uh, like they'd be able to provide a service that not that the smaller shop couldn't do. Like you need a little bit of economy of scale to be able to like kind of build that out well. And um, it, the, the question is, is like, like how much of the market is that market? You know, like I am, I'm a hundred percent biased because I've been riding long enough that like, even if I went out and bought the top of the line Santa Cruz Bronson tomorrow, like whatever the big best build is, I can tell you right now already there's like three or four parts. I'm, I'm taking off. Like as soon as I get home, like I'm, I'm not riding SRAM brakes. I'm not riding the dropper that they have because it won't be a 200 or a 210. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple of like the pedals, well, the pedals don't count, you know, like there's, there's a couple of things where it's like, these are things I'm going to change like immediately, no matter what. So like um, my bias, I guess is what I was getting at is like a lot of my friends are in the same spot now where we have these like things that we particularly want out of a build. So the idea of just buying a bike off the shelf anymore, it doesn't make sense, you know, but I guess what I'm my, my, my like mental battle is in this conversation is like how much of a percentage is actually like me? You, you know what I mean? Is there like, am I really like in the 10% of bike buyers or am I, but because I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of guys like me, I feel like it's a bigger group than it is. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, this was like, I'll, I'll use specialize the reference on this too. You know, like we specialize known for the lunch ride. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm still in Morgan Hill. So uh, yeah. our office is, all the way up in in Marin, and so I, uh-huh. I commute up there maybe one or two days a week uh, to work in our photo studio. Um, but I, I still live in Morgan Hill, so uh, my yeah, yeah, nice. primary objective of my workday is to be done at noon, so I can go beat the crap out of those dorks on the lunch ride. That's right. What's happen. And uh, we always, you know, on the lunch ride, we we forget that like you know every one of the product managers is out there, and every one of the engineers is out there, and they're all on you know the the fanciest s worksiest thing and then you forget that when you go to like i don't know kansas uh that not everybody's on that thing so you forget because you're just so used to seeing so much of it or like come on we're in the bay area anyway uh there's enough fancy stuff roaming the streets that like you forget that normal places don't have fifteen thousand dollar custom rigs just rolling on every trail Um, right the the thing is though um there's more of it than you expect um yeah the the what what's the, the it's a business thing the 80 20 rule 80 percent of your business comes from 20 percent of your customers that's right that okay, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah right? you know so just by the economies of scale if you're selling you know a, a fifteen thousand dollar bike you got to sell a lot of five hundred dollar bikes to get to it and so it isn't the majority of the business but it is a sizable portion yeah um, 
you know, that, uh, that is something that I think, I think you're totally right. And it's really hard to, to nail. Um, you know, we obviously well, I have think there's people that buy those bikes as well. They are also in the multiple bike market. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like I can look through my garage right now and there's like 10 bikes in my, like right in front of me, you know? So it's like, I, uh, it's not like I'd go out and buy one $10,000 bike. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. Like if you buy one, you buy two. And and right. so like that makes that customer so valuable. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and it makes you, you know, it makes us as a bike shop want to make sure that they have a good experience. That's oh, man, you know, that's, that's another tangent that we could probably go down. Um, I just feel like there's a good market for that. Like for a, 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 really well-rounded custom like build and whether like that custom build could be all the way from um actually like part for part saying what you want right or it could be like hey i'm buying the new bronson and right here on the website i can choose between 15 different colors of of decals that go on it yeah and that and that's that's it you know what i mean like that's the thing that makes mine custom you know and to have that in the shop in, in that experience where like you can just get it that way. I feel like something like that, or like, like, um, Hey, I'm ordering this bike and I'm going to get it ride wrapped. Yeah. You know, like, I feel like those are things that not a lot of shops are, are offering. And I feel like those are the things that would be like, really set you apart from somebody else. Yeah. You know, like, and it's simple, you know, it's like, Hey, I don't like the brand new, whatever, like, let's say what, what's the new, the new Bronson's like a salmon color. Right. And then whatever, like, I think it's like a bluish color on the letters or something like that. It's like, no, I don't want that. I want purple. Sure. You know, and something that small, which is really like insignificant in cost, like you could sell that as an upgrade and then also like make the person feel like theirs is special. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me too there. I like, I like my stuff to look different than everybody else's. It's kind of like weird whenever you're like rolling on the trail and somebody else is riding the exact same bike as you, you know, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, I, I get it, man. I'm not very fast, but I look good. So right? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't need to go fast. This looks great. Uh, this is exactly what I wanted. Um, I, I'm burying the lead a little bit here, but like uh, we do that, <laughs> you know, like we, we what I was getting to with like the butter build thing is that like, yes, that's a hundred percent a goal of ours. Um, we, you know, if you call our, uh, online support team, we've got, there are 10 people, uh, in our online team that are standing by, um, you know, they're in business hours. They get your messages after, if you mess them on the website, they'll reach back out to you and they are as bike dorky as you and I, um, yeah. if you want to do a custom build and maybe you don't know every part and you don't know the stroke length and you don't know, you know, will this fit a coil? Will that fit a, you know, whatever, you know, like those things you call up the team and they will build your bike with you. Like, yeah. I really want a high tower, but, uh, you know, I want, you know, this shock or I, I want this color or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they will help you pick every little detail, uh, across the thing. And so what I, I really want to see us do is, is kind of elaborate on that. Uh, I don't think and I watched, uh, well, again, back to specialized days, while, while I was specialized, we tried to build a program that competed with Trek's Project One. What a nightmare, uh, impossible. What Trek has done with Project One 
uh, it probably has more math involved than getting to the moon. It is yeah. like just the eighth wonder of the world, how complex I don't know that, what that is. You don't know what Project One is? No, I don't. I'm what? not a Trek fan, so. <laughs> you you can get any bike with any group, uh, with any bar width and stem and any oh, wow. in any custom painted color delivered to you in however many weeks. Uh, like oh, weeks. wow. Like, well, it's like fully custom then, huh? Oh, yeah. Project One is, is legit. And we tried to compete with that at Specialized and ultimately drove ourselves into the earth. Uh, it didn't work. Yeah. So I guess what I'm coming back to on that is like, it's not going to work for us as a bike shop either. But what yeah. we can do is we can take any frame that we've got and build it to your heart's desire. And right. there is certainly an economy of scale. Like we are a big enough shop that we have the backstock of the parts that people would want on those, those things. Um, but I think like that's the way that we want to approach it almost as a concierge service. Like, yeah. you know, give us a call, like, let us know what you want, you know, type it into this form. You know, I really want a high tower. I really want a Bronson or I really want a S new SB 140, whatever it is. And then we'll help you build it. And I think that's Have you seen like Fanatic Builder. Have you been on their uh, site, Fanatic? I know what it is. Uh, you I should check it out. Well, then it, I'm going like to buy it. You can, no, well, <laughs> maybe you'll just be buying a website, you know, like, but like they have a, they have a pretty rad builder where you can put like, you can put the parts on the bike that you're yeah. building and see it like built out. We, I need an IT guy. Do you know anybody? Yeah. I know some people. <laughs> Or how to interview them. Yeah. No, no, but um, it, it's definitely like, I, I feel like if you could do something that's similar to that or like, I'm not saying that theirs is perfect, but uh, like that idea where somebody can go in and kind of build it out that way and um, then submit it or at least be able to build out a price and then, you know, know whether like, Oh yeah, I could do that. Or it could be, you know, that's also checking on the back end of your inventory and be like, yes, this would be, you know, three months out or whatever. Like, um, I think that would be like something that would really make you, make you stand out in, in a way that other, other shops aren't. But at the end of the day though, it's all money, right? Like I said, like how much money you want to spend to build that? Like I, um, I know it's not cheap, you know, it is not, I, I think like, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I'm with you. Like, I like, you know, I think that there's a lot of customers, you know, that, you know, maybe don't have the money that just want to click around with the, the thing. Yeah. But, you know, we, we definitely do. Like, we have the capability right now, like, to serve those customers that want it. And I, like, I don't know, like, uh, we're clearly both not suit wearers. Although maybe yeah. you, when you go into the office, uh, I promise yeah. you, I don't wear a suit going to mine. But, yeah. you know, if you got a custom suit made, you know, you would want that experience of, of working with somebody, you know, like, right. I feel like if you're buying a $10,000 plus bike, um, it's kind of nice to have somebody along for the ride with you rather than just like putting your, your, your bits and bobs into a drop down menu and clicking. I hope it gets here eventually um, yeah. you know, to have somebody yeah. with you. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, um, it's interesting to think about. I think that there's a, a lot of different ways that you could go about it. I, I think that's um, how would I say this or make a comparison in in my job over the years. I've learned how to communicate with people, and um, everybody has like these different styles. Like some people like an IM, some people like an email, some people like a phone call, some people want you to stand in front of them. And I think the same thing goes with like 
trying to sell something, right? You have to like do all the different ways that like somebody wants to come into the shop. Somebody doesn't want to come into the shop. <laughs> you know, some somebody wants to talk to somebody. Somebody doesn't want to talk to somebody. And and to like do the best that you can at it, you have to kind of try to speak all those different languages, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Where do you um where do you see the the YouTube channel going? Like it's like something to just kind of like what's your goal there? <laughs> I, I just, maybe we can, we can commiserate in this moment. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's not easy. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, man, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, I think I'm really proud of the content we're doing. I think that like, you know, where we were a year ago and what we've kind of gotten to now where we're, we're creating some things that I think are, you know, if you like bikes enough, uh, they're funny, they're enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what we have really tried to do over the last year is build a catalog of content aligned with the products that we carry. And so the way that we started to think about that was let's look at the top 20 products that we sell the most of the ones that contribute the most to the business. And let's make sure that we've got content to support those because that's going to affect the most number of people that are trying to buy something and need that, you know, consumer advice. Mm -hmm. I think as we start looking into the future, um, you know, I, we we desperately want to get outside. You know, a lot of what we've been doing in the last year has been from our studio. We've got a, a really wonderful studio space that we built out, um, you know, where we've got the ability to kind of, you know, you're setting behind you, right? That, that doesn't move. You don't set that up every right. time you do a video, right? So it's right. nice to be able to have that space. Um, but, you know, on trail, on road, uh, some more, uh, some, some more series based content. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll throw this out here. And if somebody beats me to it, uh, then so be it. I hope ours will be funnier and better. Um, we're, we're looking at a series, uh, that we're going to put out in early spring. We're starting to film it, uh, here in the next week, um, that we're calling butter or budget. Uh, as you saw, butter builds are high end and budget is obviously low. Uh, we are going to put, uh, two Cannondale CAD 13 frames. So that's the road bike, uh, for mm -hmm. those familiar skinny tires uh and we are going to upgrade different things on them over a course of of six episodes where mm -hmm. we'll go from basic components up to wireless uh up to better wheels up to better cockpits up to better all sorts of stuff and each mm -hmm. week kind of pseudoscience test each one of them uh for anybody that is also a car fan you will realize that this is a blatant ripoff of the donut media show hilo um yeah but i think like that inherently like is incredibly entertaining like yeah if it works it like do it you know what i mean like at the end of the day with um this kind like online content like i don't think that you can be like i have to have something original no if somebody else is doing it and it's working do that too like what do you think trending is yeah. you know it, it's a prime example of everybody doing the same thing and all riding the wave together you know i i also you know like I've been really lucky uh, to, to to manage some really fun, weird uh, projects through the years. Uh -huh. um, you know, I've, I've had big budgets to to make like major films uh, and and things within our industry, and that's been outstanding. But I, I tell this to our videographer. Our, our videographer is a young kid uh, who actually started as a sales guy and is just so talented with a video camera. And uh, I hired him in uh, last January. And so he's the guy that's been producing a lot of our stuff. His name's Ray Martinez. Um, 
located over in Berkeley. And, and, you know, like I said, he's been with our brand for, for quite a while. Um, I tell this to Ray all the time. We, we have this rule called don't Tarantino it. Uh, and yeah. if, if you know Quentin Tarantino, all of his movies go like this, right? They just go in every single direction. <laughs> I think filmmakers always want to be like, how can I, you know, like, you know, let's get this shot and that shot and let's tell the story in reverse and then upside down. And let's, what if we yeah. just did the whole video upside down? So people had to subvert their experience. And it's like, right, right. that doesn't work. All right. We, I got to tell you about what shock tune is on this bike. That's what they care about. Uh, yeah. so we have this rule that is don't Tarantino it. It is, it is simply everything we make needs to be law and order. It should start yeah. with, Oh my God, there's this. And it gets to the finish. Uh, so oh. like, I think for us, we want to get to the point where we're doing some some more fun outdoor like longer form story stuff uh, i think that you know butter budget uh, is something that, that that we're pretty excited for for the spring um and funny enough we're back to it uh we talked about three things earlier support the writer on their sales journey uh support the local community and then entertain and engage with our, our writers uh that last one there comes back to a lot of this stuff, right? Um, we want to be something that is not just ad-based or product-based. We want to entertain people, which means we should be producing things that are not only to make you buy a thing. Um, so we've got a couple of really wonderful film projects um, with uh, some filmmakers here from inside the Bay Area. Stuff about bikes, um, longer form, you know, 20 minute, 30 minute stories that we want to tell. Um, we've got a project that um, we're just getting off the ground now that we are hoping to be able to put into the Bicycle Film Festival for next year. Um, we'll release it on Bike to Work Day. So that might give you a little clue as to what it'll be about. But, um, you know, I think like that is another thing too. Like we have the opportunity to do things that, you know, our component brands can't do. Our, our you know, Santa Cruz will never make a, a video about Yeti and uh, Cannondale won't make one about Cervelo or, you know, they don't collaborate mm -hmm. in the way that we can, we can do everything, um, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, not again to steal something like pink bikes field test, but we carry all these bikes. Why can't we do a shootout, uh, that shows off, you know, here's the best trail bikes that Mike's bikes carry. And like, why can't we go beat them? Let's have better, you know, let's have a better cinematography than what they're doing. Like what, like yeah. that, that's another thing that we've really tried to bring to the table. And I think we're not there, but um, you know, wh why can't we make a better film than Santa Cruz? They own. Yeah. Us. I, I think there's, you know, with that, I totally understand where you're coming from. And especially as a content creator, I, I always say this to some of my, my peers that like, 90% of what we care about are consumers don't. And so what I mean by that is like, we're talking about transitions and like how we color graded something and what are like, you know, how that, that jump cut was or whatever, you know, and most people watch the video and have zero clue that any of that happened. Yeah. And the one way that I always like bring myself back to like reality when I, cause I, I'll like put myself into paralysis by trying to get so fancy, let's just say, right. That like, I'll get myself to a point where I'm actually not editing because I'm like buried in like all these ideas of how I want it to look Tarantino. Right. You know? And um, I think you steal the motto. Right. Right. And so like the thing that I end up always like going back to is like, 
there was a point when I had zero experience and zero subscribers and I got to a thousand with that content that I was putting out. Yeah. And if I go back and I watch like my first 10 videos, like I consistently want to delete them. You, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like they're there, that's what reminds me is that like the audience actually just wants to be like entertained or informed. Right. And as long as you're doing a good job of doing one of those two things, then you're fine. And everything else like may add to it, but it doesn't necessarily take away from it if you don't have it. Yeah. At least that's what my perspective is. And, and I mean, there's plenty of videos out there that have 5 million views that were like shot with a potato. You know what I mean? And it's just because it was like a really good story or the guy's entertaining the way they were talking about, it, or they like really tell you something that you want to know or something that you don't want to know, but it's like intriguing. Like, I don't know why I watched this video about some horse putting, getting horseshoes put on, you know, there's a channel for horseshoes. Like there's a horseshoe channel. Uh, trust Somebody me, was I'm, I'm deep in the internet. I get it. Oh, yeah. Somebody was telling me about it recently. They were like, yeah, dude, I got stuck, man, for like an hour watching this guy like put horseshoes on a horse. I'm like, what? Next thing you know, you're looking it up and you're like, man, now here I am, right? You should see my TikTok feed. It's just, it's just very, <laughs> like, you'll be like, what on earth? Why are you so into horseshoes? Uh, right. <laughs> uh, do you know, uh, do you know the YouTuber, uh, Doug Demuro? No, not offhand. I, I, I'll encourage you to look him up. So Doug, um, Doug started doing car reviews, um, uh -huh. borrowing cars from people. And he, I guess he drives them some, but he simply does a walk around and uh -huh. like, talks about like goofy parts of weird cars and has built a following that is just astronomical. I think he's 10 million followers or something on, or 10 million subscribers on YouTube, you know, and he'll get a car on there, like a, you know, a whiz bang or a Bugatti or whatever it is. Right. And he'll talk about, Oh, this is how the cigarette lighter comes out or, or, you know, you open the glove box and it's actually chilled, you know, like yeah. these little things that like, unless you are physically hands-on with it, you'd never touch it. And it's, I, I, I cannot quite figure it out if he has someone helping him or if he tripods every shot, because like, uh -huh. I, I swear to God, I think he's built this empire with, you know, a, 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 a tripod he bought, you know, off Amazon basic and just right. like talks to the camera and he's goofy and he's not a television personality. And he yeah. just like, he's nailed the informative nature. And now uh -huh. like, you know, whether it's a brand new Rivian or a Volkswagen or whatever new, new thing is, they're clamoring to get their car to him so that he'll talk about its little bits and bobs. Um, right. You know, back to what you're saying, like, and I guess back to the don't Tarantino it, good content's good content. It doesn't matter if it was shot on, on a potato or not. Yeah. I'm not sure if, it, if it's accurate or not, but one of the, the people watching says that he uses his iPhone in a tripod. That'll do it. It's I, quite I, possible. Uh, a, a buddy of mine, uh, Jeff Linder, uh, Jeff runs a, 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 a YouTube channel called NorCal Cycling, uh, started uh -huh. out doing like GoPro stuff and talking about the, st uh, the, the tactics of racing. Um, we, we did a film together uh, maybe a year and a half ago now uh, yeah. went down to the Carrizo Plain, which is kind of inland of Santa Barbara and San Luis Obispo, beautiful grassland, gorgeous place. And we did this big ride where we kind of just charted it on a map and then crossed our fingers. And uh, while we were away from our camera crew, uh, 
we shot on iPhone in Apple ProRes in 4K. And it just, it blows my mind, you know, what, what cameras can do at even, you know, that, that low level, like people don't don't have excuses. People, I think people think that the camera is the thing that's holding them back and it's the narrative. Like it's the storytelling, it's the engagement, it's the personality of your presenter. That's another thing too. I, I, I don't know, you know, if you, you've had this before, but we bring people into the studio from time to time that struggle. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it definitely happens. It's, it's hard to talk on camera if you're not used to talking on camera. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's something that, you know, it takes a lo- little bit of getting used to to do, right? Our, but, uh, our no, but, coordinator. What you were saying, though, like, like the, the camera that you have in your phone nowadays is definitely enough to, um, to make a successful channel. It's really about what content you're making with that. And, um, I mean, especially now, I think the new iPhone has that, um, what do you, the stabilization in it as well. Like you could actually ride, I mean, you'd have to come up with some funky chest mount or something like that, but you could still do POV with it and, um, not have to go buy a GoPro too, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's definitely, um. It goes to show that it's not the tech, you know, but I mean, the same thing with the bike rider, right? I mean, you could put, you could put a, a really good rider on an old, like 2005 bike and they'll still kick everybody's butt. Right. You know, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's not, it's not the tech again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what, uh, how about this one? What, what, what are we going to do together? What's uh what's a film project that, that we can, we can knock out. Oh man, I got so many ideas. I was thinking of, you know what? This is the thing. I definitely just need somebody to edit for me. I mean, I got all kinds of ideas. <laughs> I, I got editors for you if you if you need. Yeah, something. yeah. We'll definitely have, we'll have to talk off 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 the uh, off the the camera and um, we can shoot some ideas around. But no, it would be a super fun project. That's something that I've um I've always thought about working with Mike's bikes because of. A lot of my a lot of my subscribers are in your your customer base in your area. A lot of my subscribers in Northern California, and um, I use your shop, so I think it would be really easy to go and to like do some demos or to get some of that like out on the trail kind of content. And that wouldn't necessarily be something that I would need to edit, but um, or that I would need an editor for. But um, I mean, we no, have that- a clause in that said, you know, that this is the best bike shop I've ever been to, and oh my right. god bike is perfect it's uh, just so amazing other brands that are not here that are just rotten this yeah yeah this uh, is the one right i i expect no journalistic integrity yeah yeah b-roll of me burning down another bike shop no <laughs> no but I, I think that you guys have a really I, I think that you guys have a really unique position to um to make some good good content and um I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys, what you guys come up with. There's a lot to learn on how to be successful on YouTube. And, um, unfortunately, like, I don't think anybody actually knows how to do it. Like all the people that like their whole channel is about like how to be successful on YouTube. Like if you watch one of them, they're not the same as the other one. (laughs) So, well, you know, on, on that exact point, uh, I, for the life of me now, I can't remember the name of it. Um, there was a startup YouTube channel that uh, that Phil Gaiman, I know you're not a roadie, uh, but mm-hmm. Phil Gaiman and Rasan Bahati and a few other folks 
uh, were, were hosts on, and they came out swinging. Uh, this must have been two years ago now, mm -hmm. uh, where they just, they had all these video ideas and they were going to do all these things. And that thing crashed and burned in, I don't know, three months where yeah. they, you know, they just realized that like they were trying to do all this content and they were producing all this stuff and the following just wasn't coming. You know, yeah. we, when, when I took over kind of our channel and what we've been doing here at, at Mike's, um, you know, we had in the entire time that we had YouTube, uh, you know, 10 years, I don't know, uh, mm -hmm. we had 1400 followers, you know, which, which in a lot of ways, like makes that channel kind of irrelevant. Like, why would we, why would we focus on it? And, and, you know, we've now, uh, man, it's so hard. Our, my goal for this year was to crack 5,000 and we're not going to do it. I think we're a thousand off, yeah. but like gaining, you know, whatever that is, you know, we've still grown almost, you know, 200%. That has been so hard. Um, yeah. you know, and like we've got videos that, you know, organically have gotten 20, 30, 40,000 views, uh, which feels like such an achievement for us, yeah. you know, because it's just, you know, it's bike content. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, it's so hard. You know, I, I would love to, you know, I look at worldwide cyclery and I, I look at, you know, bike radar, um, you know, uh, what, whatever. I, I look at all these other things that they've got, you know, such a, a giant following and I'm so envious of that. But at the end of the day, like I look at the content that some of those people are making and I'm like, we can do this. Like, there's no reason yeah. that we can't do that. Like, you know, it is, it is about telling a, a good story and, and, and articulating it and being entertaining. Um, yeah. you know, and like the, I think, like the, I, I think there's I'll, a few Right. Say like, like that channel that I said started and stopped, you know, yeah. they, I, they just, they missed the boat. They, they, they thought, oh my God, if we get all these people that people, you know, somewhat know our channel will explode and it will just, it'll have a million followers and then this will be profitable on ad revenue. And instead yeah. it was just like, Hey, you got to build a connection. Hey, yeah. how about that? We, we circled all the way back around. That's the shop model, yeah. right? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, but it, it's, it's really true. I know whenever I, um, first met Jeff Lenoski, you know, professional writer. He's been on freaking like Regis and Kathy Lee and like the news and freaking probably 40% of the States. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, from some, some show that he was doing, you know, locally or something like that. And he told me, he's like, man, when I first started YouTube, he's like, now I'm just going to make a channel and people are going to be like, Hey, Jeff Lenoski, I know who he is. Boom. And he's like, no, he's like, nobody can nobody knows who i am he's like meanwhile you know like you know me at the time let's just say like he's like dude people walk up to you and are like hey what's up robert you know and he's like and uh, i'm a nobody you know and and now he's you know made a lot of content and and is doing is doing really well but um yeah it's definitely a different market and it's not like you can um it's not te television you know, so it's not like you can be like, hey, I'm going to take this television format and make a YouTube channel that does television format. And it just doesn't it, it doesn't work well all the time. I uh, will say, though, I will say, I think that Pink Bike is on to something with that Pink Bike Academy. Uh, like I, with this, I like Levy and like like their whole crew, like they they get it. They're good on camera. They. They have simple setups, um, you no, know, but I'm talking about the show. It's like, oh, the yeah, yeah. Show. Sure. like I, I feel like, you know, if you were to pitch like, Hey, there needs to be a mountain bike television show out there. 
like most people would be like unless you're a mountain biker you'd be like yeah it's stupid but like i think the way that they laid that show out you don't even have to be a mountain biker to enjoy it yeah you know well that's that's the the point right like that's back around to it like i i i I, i've referenced cars a few times but like you know the are you aware of the show on netflix the the formula one thing uh drive to survive or whatever it's called i think i've seen it yeah yeah all right so they do they do this show it's of course it's absurdly produced as any netflix formula one thing would be but like frankly like i enjoy watching racing that's a hobby of mine um I would prefer to skip the whole race season and to watch that Netflix show because they inject so much drama into it and they they just uncover so much. And like, again, like that kind of thought about, you know, building a a well-told, you know, drama based story uh, seems so easy and is so hard. And then I think like, you know, what you're talking about with, with the pink bike Academy, like, you know, they have to not only like, film these people doing great things, but they also have to tell a story across multiple episodes. So you've got to have a showrunner and a producer and you've got to have, you know, even if they're not like professionals in that, like those roles need to be filled so that the story comes through the other side. It's hard and it's it's difficult to do when it's just you or it's just, you know, me and a couple of guys in our shop. Like it's really hard. Yeah. So this is one of my ideas. I'm going to throw it at you. I feel like you could do something similar, but you're doing a contest with, average people and like maybe the prize is like you win this bike that you're riding or something like that so like um and then in that aspect like the people that are on the show are even more relatable to the people that are watching the show so it doesn't have to be as big of a production you know where you're putting a bunch of people up in a house but maybe it's like something that you could shoot in a couple of days over a weekend or something like that and i think that it would be really i I don't know i think it would be a successful little series and at the same time you could do the same thing that they're doing on pink bike academy which is like you're talking about the bike you're talking about the shop you're talking about how you're maintaining it you're you're like doing all these sales like injections that like maybe don't feel salesy but they like if you're watching it from that perspective you're like i know exactly what they're doing right now like every time they're like, oh, my body battery. Do you, I don't know how much of that is like, hey, they actually had this conversation on their own. Or it's like, hey, guys, we need you to talk about the battery, battery, battery body right now. And you know what I'm saying? And it's like, okay, yeah, get a little shot of that. And there you go. It's in there now. And now people are starting to like, hey, I've heard this 15 times. I feel like I want, I am a longtime Garmin user. I have all the Garmin products. And I never looked at the body battery before. Watch that show. Now I'm like, what's my body battery at today? You know? So, I mean, it works, right? So, so if you're a person I, that, where, you know, didn't have that or like that, that like there's little like, I don't know how you would like micro sales or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they work. They really do. So I, don't I love, yeah, I think it, it you know, the, the, the big thing is that you've just got to get the right personalities. Like, yeah. you, you know, it, it, I feel like yeah, I, I was going to tell a story earlier. Um, our, our social media coordinator uh, is a woman uh, from up in the Sacramento area named Libby Painter. Um, uh-huh. And, and, and uh, she's been a, she's a major mountain biker. Um, she, she, she has been a, a big part of that mountain bike community and her, her, her family and her brother uh, have also been big parts of the community. And, 
we brought her in as a social media coordinator and she is the goofiest, funniest, like bubbliest personality. Like she comes into a room and everybody has a smile on their face uh, just because of her charisma. And yeah. so we were like, well, fucking slam dunk. We'll come in from the three point line on this one. Like we'll put yeah, her on. Yeah. She's going to slay it. And uh, we get her on and she just goes. That's it. Oh no. <laughs> and like, I, I hope she, I, I will show her this section of, of this recording, but like yeah. she, she ended up, she did such a great job. Like in the video that she did, we did uh, it's, it's uh, on our channel. It's, it's the 5010 and the Furtado. And she was speaking uh -huh. about the Furtado with, with Matt Adams. But like, it's just so funny, right? Like if you, if you pitch that idea, like you're, you're in your mind, you're imagining it with like the most charismatic people that, you know, yeah. they, it doesn't matter how good they are as a bike rider. But you, if you, if you miss the casting, uh, you end up with something with just people that are like, just like unable to move their hands or body. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I definitely know exactly where you're talking about. Cause I mean, obviously as a content creator over the years, I know how quickly people change when you point a camera at them. And um, like, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how how easily you can like change somebody's personality where they can't even speak like a normal sentence the way that they did before you like had the camera on so a lot of what i do to my friends is that they don't know my camera's running all the time yeah so like instead of me like you know like pointing the camera at them like i'll like catch them more like hey man how was that and then later they'll watch the video and they'll be like, dude, I didn't even realize you were recording me. It's like, I'm so good. I can do this all the time. You need someone on your show all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, you definitely need to, uh, uh, I understand where you're coming from. hundred percent understand where you're coming from. It's, 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 I mean, even as a, a creator, I mean, that's something that I had to learn on my own, you know, like to be able to walk in, like get out of your car at a trailhead and hold a GoPro up in front of you and be like, what's up YouTube, I'm Robert. You know, it's like, no, you don't do that on your first, there's people walking around and you're like waiting for them to all leave. And then the, the one guy finally pulls out and then, then somebody else comes in you're like, okay, well I gotta do this, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, please, by all means, like, yeah, direct anybody that wants or is good at that uh, to me. I, I, oh man, I, I hate doing it. I. Um, <laughs> I'm okay on stage. I'm, uh -huh. I'm fine on stage. Um, but it's one of those things where like before I get on a stage, if I've got to give a, a presentation, a pitch or whatever, or, or, you know, even actually, you know what? I didn't, I didn't do this before I got on with you. So thanks for, yeah. for the low stress environment. Uh, no but worries, man. I, I'll sit there and I'll just go. <sighs> and then you come on the camera and you go, all right, everybody. And it's that like, you know, you, you have to inject that, 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 attitude in order to continue to be able to be on camera and then when yeah. you, you know you shut it down like i i'm sure you get the same thing you'll shut this off with me and and like this seems like a nice fun casual conversation and you'll just go oh okay i was two hours <laughs> just talking of, of of trying to support that guy and make him look yeah. good and and you know like because it's so hard yeah i i fortunately it comes naturally to me like honestly i i am um... That, that's the one thing that I'm just good at is just talking. So <laughs> that's where I found out that um, the podcast is definitely a good venue for me and my, my personality set. But um, I, I think that, you know, anybody can do it. I think it's just a matter of getting comfortable, you know, and, and um, 
whatever. I, I, like I said, the stuff that I saw on your channel, like that you guys were putting out, like it seemed like you're pretty comfortable to me. So you're faking it well. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it is coming along. Uh, it's uh, it, you know, it's tough too. Like y y YouTube is its own animal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, my my social media background, like I was around when when Instagram started. I was at the time, like uh, again, back to my specialized days. I was a specialized. I started the the I am specialized handle mm -hmm. at specialized, and uh, I grew up with that. So like posting a picture makes a lot of sense. You ask me to do TikTok right now? No way. I'm too old. Yeah. I, like I can't figure it out. I don't. I'm not comfortable doing it. I'm not comfortable like with the edit style and all that. And I just, mm -hmm. oh God, please find some young people who know how to do this. So I don't have to be the 35 year old managing the TikTok of a brand. Like yeah. I, we are not growing that thing at all. I, I don't know how you do Why it. Why don't you have ambassadors that are like already TikTokers or, or Instagrammers or something like that making content for you in like a... Um, kind of sponsored kind of way you know what i mean where it's like uh like you can give a discount to somebody and they make you know x amount of reels for you a year or something like that and i would imagine that that would be probably lucrative for both of you you know you know i um i've i've started i've ran plenty of influencer programs um as a matter uh -huh. of fact before I came on at Mike's, I was working in an agency called Four, uh, which is based uh -huh. out of New York City, and it's an influencer agency exclusively. Uh, man, oh man, um, discounts don't work. Uh, no, okay. If somebody's good, they're worth money. Uh, you right, know, I think right, that's, yeah. that's another thing too. Like, I've tried to, in this role and in what we're doing and things that are on video and, and things that are in our social media, like, I'm trying hard to make sure that we are setting guidelines to pay people. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's so I feel like it's so common that it's like, oh, come get on the, the come do this thing for me and spend your entire day and do the stuff and like don't be compensated. So, you know, in a lot of in a lot of places, you know, we're trying to pay models as much as we can. We're trying to, you know, yeah. if you're an influencer, like I'm not just giving you a pair of gloves and kicking you out the door. Like it's 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 hard. Um, you know, even we frankly, we even struggle with that with with some of our employees. You know, we've got you know, we, we want to have more personalities than just myself and Matt on camera. Um, but I don't cost any money, <laughs> you right, know? So, right. you know, if I, if I want to go get another host, um, you know, we, that's a, you know, bunch of, out of my budget, um, you know, you yeah. have to compensate them. It's, it's, it's more work. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. Am ambassadors and influencers are, are tough. Plus everybody thinks that they deserve a $10,000 bike for one TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I understand where you're coming from. I think that there's, I think there's a way to model it that could possibly work. So who knows? Um, well, check it out, man. It's been like almost two hours at this point. Did it Done. feel like it went fast or did, what or were you like struggling the whole time? I, I, uh, I, I actually, I, I swapped out my twin halfway through, so I didn't have to do the whole thing. <laughs> didn't you have to do the whole thing? Seems, right seems. on, man. Uh, no, Dude, man, I, I, really I, appreciate I, you, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me. And there's still a bunch of stuff that I don't feel like we got to talk about, but it was, um, it was, it was a fun, fun conversation. Yeah, man. Definitely I, had I, a good I, time. Thanks. For I always like that. Oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, yeah, I, I, I genuinely appreciate it. You know, thanks. Thanks for having me. And I, you know, we, we don't get an opportunity. I, I, I don't, I don't feel like we get an opportunity often to talk about, you know, the behind the scenes things, the structure of kind of what makes our business different. Um, you know, it just like, I think most people just think, Hey, you're a bike shop or you're approaching it. Like, Hey, you're going to be a bike shop with a lot of locations. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, you know, if that was our strategy, I don't think that we would be successful. I think we would absolutely fail. Like we have yeah. to find a way of supporting the community and, and engaging and, and, and becoming a friend or a reliable, you know, trustworthy resource for the people that, that come to our store. And so I, I appreciate the opportunity to kind of talk through some of that stuff, whether your, uh, your listeners or followers will actually watch, uh, yet to be seen, but, uh, we will, we will see. Thanks for the time. I guarantee you they will, man. It's definitely, um, I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting to hear, uh, the perspective from a, a bike shop in your position. And it's interesting to hear like what your kind of like, like, company motto and goals were that grew you to where you are to the point of, you know, now being purchased and where you're looking at moving forward and like keeping that, um, that same vibe. I think that, um, it's, it's really cool to see a behind the scenes kind of a perspective of that kind of thing. And to hear kind of like a ground floor idea of where you guys are at right now on your social media side and where you want to head. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm always interested in like the inner workings of things. And I think that's why I enjoy doing this podcast so much is that, you know, you, you talk to these businesses or these people and you, you get to hear that like behind the scenes thing. And I think at least that's, what's interesting to me. That's why I keep doing it. And that's why I would assume that the podcast continues to grow is that it's interesting to other people too, you know? So, um, I always like to ask people, you answered some of them earlier, what YouTube channels they like to watch, whether it has to do with biking or not. Um, totally. Is there anything that comes to mind right off uh, that you didn't mention already that, that you like to watch on YouTube? I can recap them. Uh, the, the dudes at Donut Media are great. Uh, I think, you know, they do like such a great job of aligning, you know, consumer advice back to entertainment. Uh, mm-hmm. local, well, kind of local bounces between, uh, LA and, and up here in the Bay area for us. Uh, there's a guy named Jason Camisa, uh, used to be a motor trend writer and now is one of the lead hosts on the Haggerty channel. Um, Haggerty, I, I don't know what they do. They do auto insurance. They've got a website. Mm-hmm. They do stuff. I don't know how they have the budget for what they're doing. Uh, but Jason has been doing this wonderful series on YouTube called icons. Uh, they, you know, they, it, I don't know. It's better produced than Top Gear uh, back in the mm-hmm. heyday of, of the Clarkson era. Uh, they do such a good job. And I think that like that stuff is great. Um, what else? Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there anything from the bike world? I pitched my buddy Jeff earlier from NorCal Cycling. Uh, Jeff races on our team. Uh, does a good job of, of, I think, giving, you know, biker wear and roadies like me. Uh, good good advice on tactics and, and products and equipment and all that type of stuff. Uh, I also, I really appreciate the pink bike guys. I think they do a good yeah. job. Um, yeah. I, I, all the field test stuff, like whenever I'm trying to learn about a bike that that I haven't seen before, like I definitely go to them first. Um, so Sweet, dude. That's definitely, um, definitely a lot of content out there to watch. So those of you guys that haven't swung by the Mike's Bikes YouTube channel, definitely oh go God. check it out. There's some, a thousand some of you. I need to, yeah. to hit that 5,000 mark. I need a thousand of you to go there, please. 
Yeah, if you guys can make him hit five thousand before the end of the year, man, you're 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 like helping me out in a way you don't even know. Like, anyways, um, yeah, no, definitely go check it out. If you guys haven't subscribed to this channel yet, do that as well. Um, thumbs up if you enjoyed this. The subscribe button—it's really fun to push. Just those of you who like pushing buttons, hit the subscribe button. If you are a podcast listener and you haven't written a review. Do me a favor, swing over to Apple Podcasts and write a five-star review. It really helps the um the the algorithm, the secret algorithm work its magic. And honestly, if for no other reason than this, it just really makes me happy when I read them. So do do a guy a favor and write me a review. That would be rad. If you don't want to do any of those things at all, you just want to go on about your day, then go ahead and do that. But remember, it only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one. <laughs>